Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. So how does Lamar take this in? We've had Russell Wilson, we've had Kyler Murray, and we've had Jalen Hurts, and neither of the three have gotten fully buttoned-up contracts. This was a one-time thing. We're not doing it. Three other teams haven't done it, and these all these quarterbacks have. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, we are 10 days away from the NFL yes, draft, but. We're getting breaking news here to start off the podcast. How about it? The Philadelphia Eagles make the big splash for QB1. Yeah, never doubted it, too. I think Philly was pretty clear they were going to do it. I I think this is kind of a great, great story of hard work, perseverance, overcoming Mm -hmm. obstacles. I mean, here's a young man who got benched in a a championship game. National title game. National title game, who overcame all the obstacles, uh, things that, you know, I didn't think he could do in terms of throwing with a ability to anticipate and the Eagles really building an offense around him that suits his skill set. And, you know, he, he deserves it. He earned it. I mean, he really did. And now he's in the NFC. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFC. Mm-hmm. So it's a great success story. He, he deserves this. And I think this will now have ripple effects as we move forward. It's yes. going to be fascinating to see how Philadelphia manages the cap with with this much because we all we've heard this offseason is you can't sign Lamar because you can't win a championship when you pay a quarterback. Well, the Eagles were on the doorstep of doing that last year. Now they'll see if they can get over that hurdle paying Jalen Hurts five years, $255 million extension, highest paid player in NFL history. He gets $110 million fully guaranteed at signing. That's the third most ever. Yeah. And then $126.5 million fully guaranteed before year two, which is the second most. He'll also get a raise this year, including $23.294 million signing bonus, and now is signed through 2028. Right. So it's going to be interesting how this contract goes. $173 million guarantee, mm-hmm. you know, is – so how does Lamar take this in? Mm. Okay, so what does, what does Lamar – now, when Lamar's mom and him sit down and review this contract, 
and say, okay, here's what he's got. And he did not get it fully buttoned up. We know Deshaun Watson got 250, what, 245 fully guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So this is 10 million more on it on an average per year basis and a lot less guarantee. So the Eagles have now, so since we've seen Watson's contract, we've had Russell Wilson, we've had Kyler Murray, and we've had Jalen Hurts, and neither of the three have gotten fully buttoned up contracts. So if you're the Baltimore Ravens, you could say to Mrs. Jackson and Lamar, I'm sorry, but the market, this was a one-time thing. We're not mm-hmm. doing it. Three other teams haven't done it. And these all these quarterbacks have. And Jalen Hurts is more similar. You could say Russell Wilson was at the end of his career. He needed to take the deal. Kyler Murray was getting the deal two years sooner than he should have. He had to take the deal. Hurts didn't, and he got this deal. So can't we talk about something other than fully guaranteed contracts? This is a great moment for Baltimore. It is. It, it really is. And if you're Baltimore and you have full intention of trying to sign Lamar to a deal, then I would get on an airplane and fly down there with this contract in hand and show it to them and say, let's get on the same page here. Let's, have a, let's get on the same page, get a lawyer in the room. Let's get on the same page so we're talking apples to apples. Well, this deal has $15 million in incentives, meaning that Hurts, according to Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network, will, re- will earn up to a record $54 million per year in new money, up to $274 million through 2028. I mean, it's just it's a monster deal, and, and I'm ex- excited for Jalen Hurts just because of the person that he is and the perseverance that you've talked about there. Uh, but I think of Lamar. I think of Joe Burrow. I think of Justin Herbert. Those are guys who are also eligible for extensions as well. This quarterback market is going to start to kind of settle itself here as or Hurts right now is the highest paid player in NFL history. He might not be three weeks from now when Joe Burrow signs his deal. Well, Burrow, yeah. I mean, look, Mike Brown's probably looking at this deal happy because Mike Brown knows it's not a fully buttoned up deal, mm-hmm. which Mike Brown's probably not going to do. And I think we have to kind of pan our way through those incentives and come come up with what actually is the deal. Yeah. Most times when you read a, a deal from an agent through an insider like Palacero, it's a little it's, inflated. It's pumped up a little So bit. we have to be, you know, you have to look at the, what is truly the deal. To me, the interesting factor, like when I hear you say you got 110 guaranteed at signing, okay, like seriously, like are you going to cut the guy after you just did the contract? I mean, come on. Like anything oh, yeah. in year one is, whether it's guaranteed or not, is guaranteed. Okay, so if I give you fifty million to sign and I pay you fifty million in paragraph five, you got a hundred million guaranteed. Even if I don't guarantee the fifty, you know what I'm saying? Everything in year one, so it's all verbiage. But I think to me, it's a, it's a, another example of the Watson contract being an outlier. Mm. And also of note, the five year extension includes a no trade clause for Jalen Hurts, which is the first time the Eagles have ever done that in their franchise history. Interesting, you know, and so. The, you know, that that's probably a chip that the, the player wanted that mm-hmm. I'm sure Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman didn't feel like it was a hard chip to give up because the way they structure the contract with this much guarantee, it's probably going to be hard to trade them. Yeah. And it shows that they have a lot of faith in, in Jalen Hurts there. So the, the, the ripple effects are really interesting. But now we're seeing the highest paid QBs in terms of their new money per average. Hurts is now number one. Rodgers is sitting at number two with 49 million. Kyler Murray's at number three. Deshaun Watson, number four. Mahomes is at five. <laughs> well, Mahomes, when Mahomes did his deal, in fairness, Mahomes, Mahomes did a Brady-ish type deal. He, he took less. He, he took understood less. it. You know, and I don't think you're going to hear Mahomes complain. Mm. I, I don't think you're going to say, hey, I want to get more. I mean, eventually they're going to have to redo Mahomes' deal. But I think Mahomes really understood that there's marketing opportunities out there for me yeah. that I can over, I can compensate for this. 
you know, Hertz can probably go out. You know, he's going to be the 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 brand of Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, I'm sure Wawa's beating down his door. Oh or something yeah, there's like no that. doubt Wawa. You can get a free cup of coffee at Wawa. Absolutely, <laughs> he's going to have it. Pretzel companies all over Philly. Pretzel, it's a good pretzel. They're going to go want to get him too. Daniel Jones, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott are tied for seventh with forty million per year. So Daniel it- Jones, uh, <laughs> could you just say that really seriously? I mean, come on. I mean, we'll get to it later we'll in the block, yeah, but I mean, I God Almighty, these but people have no memory. He's he's in there. Uh, so, do you think that now we are closer to Lamar Jackson signing? Like, do you think that this is more I, evidence? I think what we're closer to is to understanding the intent of the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens have said all along they want to sign Lamar. Mm-hmm. That's what they've said. Now they've been hiding behind this. I'm not saying hiding, or they've been saying they want to sign him, but he wants a fully guaranteed contract. To me, I think now it's out there in the open. Like, Lamar, you're not going to get a fully guaranteed contract. Nobody's going to give it to you. And if this is the way you want to act, then fine, you're on an island. But you just saw a young player take his team to the Super Bowl, which you haven't done. He didn't win MVP, but he was close. And he took his team to a Super Bowl. He had a great season, and he got rewarded off his rookie contract. I don't know what else to say to you. So you have Watson, we have Hurts. Let's meet in the middle here somewhere. Mm. I mean, because I know the whole talk about the Ravens is that no team wanted to do the work for them. In a sense, Philly's kind of giving them a little bit of a guiding light well, here. Philly, of, Philly's hey. doing the work for Herbert. They're yeah. doing the work for Burrow. They're doing the work for everybody. Yeah, They're doing the work for Tua, too. They're going to give Tua this deal, too. What do you see? You'll have your jersey on up, that day. Yeah, like, you have your, like you have your Seattle jersey, Seattle on. Jersey yeah. on. Do you yeah. put that next to two or does two have its own spot in your closet? No, the two is two hang- in fields two is, like two is, have its own closet. Two is framed. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> That's what the situation is with Tua. It's framed. But uh, congratulations to Jalen Hurts, obviously the Philadelphia Eagles, locking in their quarterback number one. Now we wait to see what happens with these quarterbacks here. You mentioned Daniel Jones and uh, the, the, the issue with the Giants fans. We, we, can, yeah. we can hit that a little bit here, man. Do you want to respond to that? Because the last time we did the podcast I don't have to respond Thursday, to it. They, we, don't, we, they we, don't understand what I'm saying. Like, we'll break it down to them. Well, they're, they're actually saying that I'm reporting this. I mean, I love Carl Banks to death. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, you know, you got to be in the locker room. To know, I'm not talking about their locker room. He's, he was throwing fire. Let me pull I'm up the talking here. about what happens when teams have to go from good to great. Read Riley's book, The Winner Within. I didn't make this up. No. I didn't I read you the seven symptoms of the of that and it applied to the Giants. Like I don't understand like how this nine win team it, Carl said you didn't watch any game. I watched every freaking game. <laughs> I watched them. I watched they managed Daniel Jones perfectly. I watched how they played third down defense really well. I watched how they managed situations. Do I think they're a great team? By no means. Do they, are they a great team? Like, where did we? What did I miss? Did they beat Philly? They didn't come close to beating Philly. Did no, they yeah. beat Dallas? No, they didn't. Be, they, they're what one and five in the division, or one four and one with a tie. I mean, mm-hmm. like, what good team did they beat? They lost to Detroit down the stretch. They should have lost to Houston if they don't turn the ball over. That was a. I mean, it's a win. So they're seven and two going into the bye, and they go two what two seven and one off the bye. Or, or yeah. two, five, and one off the bye? Well, one of the wins was the Commanders game on Sunday Night Football, and the other one was the Colts, who were barely even an NFL yeah, team. Yeah, under, under Saturday in the Parks leadership. Yeah, we saw yeah. that. So, like, I mean, and, and I'm not all I'm saying with what I – it's an observation. It wasn't I'm reporting this. Like, under th- this really shows you that you got to be able to understand what people are talking about. Like, for me, if I were the president of the Giants – 
this would be my biggest concern, mm -hmm. the disease of me. How you go from good to great. This is an organization for the last five years until this year was one of the, was, was the losingest organization in football. They have one nine-win season, and all of a sudden, everything's fine, and we're going to go? To me, where's competitive stamina? Like, all I was trying, all I'm saying is, and I stand by what the hell I'm saying, if I were an executive at the Giants, I'd be worried like hell that everybody's going to want to get paid. Everybody's going to be satisfied with nine wins when Brian Dayball knows more than anybody. And I love Brian Dayball. I talk, I mean, Brian Dayball's a wonderful friend. He knows this. He knows the enemy that he has to defeat is contentment. Mm -hmm. It's within. It's within. Yeah. Like, why are they so outraged by this? It's business. Anybody who read, anybody who read, who listened to my comments, who's on the business side in Wall Street, got what I was saying. I mean, how about the guy that says, "I didn't want to share Lombardi's tweet. It was so terrible. I didn't want to give it any credit." You got three thousand fucking followers. What do I give a shit about your share in my tweet? Like, I give a shit. And then here's the best part. Here's the best part I like the most. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, Lombardi. I, I've been yelled at by Al fucking Davis, okay? Like, there's no smarter human being on planet Earth in football than Al Davis, right? Like, I stood in a room with him. I went toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. Like, I can handle myself. Like, I'm not worried about your 3,000 followers and what you think you fucking know, right? Like, you have no idea. You don't even know half of what the fuck I know, all right? So let's just put that out there, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm talking about business strategy. I'm talking about how to develop a culture within a team. I'm not talking about their locker room. I'm talking about Riley, what I learned from reading that book. I'm mm -hmm. talking about what happens when teams have a little success. It's hard to go from good to great. Why do you think Jim Collins wrote the freaking book? Yeah, and this is not exclusive just to the Giants, but I think Giants fans just took it as if it was like, oh, it's a ticket. I say the us. same thing about the Lions. 100%. I say that Seattle's got to be able to. I mean, you, you got the, it's the biggest challenge in sports to move from good to great. And like you said, you were just making an observation, not a report. It's unbelievable. They don't. They didn't even they hear the sad part. They didn't even understand it. <laughs> we love you, Giants fans. We'll be back with more Shuffle on the other side. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe.
Michael, it is now April 17th. Yeah. NBA playoffs are underway. NHL playoffs. I see that. I see, I, I see that. I see you. I got, uh, donning the nice Seattle Kraken sweater. First time they've ever made the playoffs in their second impressive. year as, as, as a franchise. Impressive. I kind of actually like the it's colors. It's a pretty sweet sweater, isn't it? It is really good, yeah. Is. I'm not even a hockey fan, but I was like, I got to get that sweater, and I'm from Seattle, so, you know. It, it makes sense. I like it. it. It's pretty good. Yeah, so, yeah. so we're trying to raise awareness. That adds to there. your collection. You've got yeah. Fields. You've got Tua. You've got Seattle. <laughs> no, what else do you have? What else do you have? Jersey. <laughs> what else do you have? Uh, it's uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep that undisclosed right yeah, now. Yeah, I got to I have to have to talk to your fiance. <laughs> we we need to have a dis- I, I I want a picture of the closet. I definitely do. <laughs> yeah, there there is no Tua jersey in there. Maybe yeah, a there fields, is. Maybe yeah. a Fields one in our future. Who yeah, knows? there is one. There's Who no knows? doubt. There's MVP? come on. It's all right. Question it's okay. <laughs> no. You got to be willing to say it. You know. It's yeah. Hey. All right. Well, it's it's a lot of fun here because now we're officially oh, yeah. ten days away from the NFL draft. Things are starting to really crank up here. And we've talked about it for more than a month now at number one. Bryce Young, Carolina Panthers, makes a whole lot of sense there. That's where all the tea leaves are headed towards. The betting market also believes that as well. Our show sponsored DraftKings. I believe Young now is minus 450. Minus 450. Minus 450 to go to the Panthers. I, I just hope people took him at plus 275 when it was, we recommended there for a while, I really man. do. You know, no tips needed, really. We don't have a tip jar here, but it's okay. <laughs> but can, but I really wish it you to, What's your Venmo account? Maybe people can send <laughs> I don't, you I, no, I, don't, I don't want any. I, I don't. Seriously. Buy, buy Lombardi a coffee, you know? <laughs> he likes coffee. Yeah, that'd be a good thing. Yeah, yeah but with Bryce Young presumably going to the Carolina Panthers, a lot of the conversation has now shifted to what's going to happen at number two, and that's where I want to start this podcast because right now the Houston Texans are the holders of the number two overall pick. More and more reports after we talked about on the podcast how Houston might not be locked in on a quarterback. It feels like that's now being echoed all throughout the football community here yeah. to where maybe a pass rusher is what they do. I'm, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be Wilson from Tech or Anderson, but to me it sounds like they are – and this isn't posturing, right? Like a lot of people think, well, they're posturing to try to get somebody to trade up to get the pick. I don't think so. I, I think what, what it's clear is as much as – the mockers and the draft experts mm-hmm. love this quarterback draft class. The sense of this quarterback draft class isn't as high within the buildings of these teams. And to draft Stroud second overall, he's got to be equal to, let's say, Will Anderson's grade or better. You know, And, and if he's not, how do you do that? So I, I think there's that conversation going on. And I think as people get more familiar with the player, right, you get mm-hmm. more comfortable. Do I like this guy? This is a marriage. You know, they decide maybe this isn't going to work. And, I, and, I, and I've said this all along. D'Amico Ryans is, is going to has a great opportunity to play the long game. Mm-hmm. And so why would he take somebody that he wasn't comfortable with at the position that he, yes, he needs it, but maybe they like somebody in the second round. Maybe they like somebody in the third round. I don't know. But to me, I think what he wants to do is walk away from this draft with, I got a really good player. And it's a foundational pick for D'Amico Ryan's making this first selection there. But on the other side of it, with Nick Casario as the general manager, does he have that same amount of time as D'Amico Ryan's? Well, I, th- I, th- I think, and I've reported this, I mean, the word is on the street. We've talked about it, that, that maybe Nick is going to leave. And some of that could be Nick's decision to leave. Some of it could be maybe just the way that they have had to restructure the organization once Ryan's have come in. So I do think that, you know, Nick has been around enough to know that Nick uses a grading system. That's one. Mm-hmm. And if he, and the grading system that Nick uses is is going to have a hard time getting some of these players to a second pick overall in the draft grade. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm not saying that Will Anderson can't get there. You know, maybe I wouldn't grade him as high. You know, it's beauty's in the eye of the beholder as you get into the draft, right? Yep. So, uh, I think that. But 
I do believe that there will be, because of the constant changes that have gone on in Houston, I'm not sure that after the draft, it's all going to stay the same. So you talked about how the league is not necessarily as high on the quarterbacks as the draft Knicks and the, the draft analysts that are out there. Well, DraftKings put up this really interesting bet, and it's for the first three picks, and you can bet on for it to be not all quarterbacks or all quarterbacks in those first three selections. Right now, not all quarterbacks minus 200, meaning you have to bet $200 to win $100. All quarterbacks plus 160, $100 would win you $160. So the market is indicating that it's starting to seem like there's not going to be this quarterback, quarterback, quarterback top of the board here. Well, first of all, I mean, you know, there's never been four quarterbacks picked in a row in the draft, in the history of the draft. So we know that. Even in the 83 draft, which was the greatest quarterback draft, that wasn't happening. So I, I think to me, there's going to be a lot of a lot of stuff that's talked about in this coming week. We're in lying season deluxe, oh, right? Yeah, this is the peak of it. Yeah, everybody. So... <laughs> You know, I, I think people are trying to position themselves and not give off the clues of where they're going to go. But I don't get the sense that there's this desperation from teams. I think Indianapolis has it. Mm. But I'm not sure other teams have it as much as Indy. Everybody, Seattle's going to pick a quarterback. Why? Why would Seattle waste the fifth pick overall, the sixth pick, wherever they're picking, on a quarterback when they just signed Geno? Yeah, they need one. But, man, they need a front seven player too, right? They're closing mm. the gap, right? Detroit, they need a front seven player. Why would they pick a quarterback? You know, I mean, it isn't like they we can't pass him. He's so good. Like, that's not the feeling that you get. Well, I guess the idea for a team like the Seahawks or the Lions would be that we don't ever want to be up this high again. And the only reason we're this high is because we made those trades. But we don't plan to ever pick this right. high. So, so pick, what, what we So do what New England did when they had a bad year and they picked Richard Seymour. Or do what, or do what San Francisco did when they had a bad year. They got Nick Bosa. There's no rule that says, well, you've had a bad year, you have to pick a quarterback. Like, I, I missed that memo. There's no rule for that. Like, I know it's based on what the mocks want you to do, but if you just get a really good top 10 player, mm -hmm. uh, you say you get a starting left tackle for the next 12 years you picked up there. That's a hell of a that, – that's a reward. Yep. Remember, every trade that you made is for a player. So when you've traded a first-round pick for a player, that player, it becomes player for player. So get a good player. Get a player that you know you could get a left tackle. You could get a you can get a maybe you get a, a rusher. So to me, Jalen Carter. I watched Jalen Carter again yesterday. Like to me, you you know outside of the quarterback position, but you can make the argument that he's the best player in the draft. I think that'd be a correct argument. So like if you're picking two, if I'm if I were in Houston, and I and I had just coached Armstead Buckner, who's now at Indianapolis, you know Hargrave, all those great the interior Kinlaw. I mean, this guy would make Houston an elite. You know, you now you can rush the passer from inside. You got to get comfortable with this character. I get that. But to me, you know, he just dominates the game. I mean, he throws people around left and right. He killed Ohio State's offensive line. Is he doing all right during these visits? Because I know he's made the rounds. He visited Detroit this past weekend. He was here in Las Vegas this past week. I know they haven't told you anything on what's going on with Nothing. the silver and black. I know not. But I, he's kind of been making the rounds. I had here dinner the with him last night. He, you know, <laughs> we discussed Miss Rachel. You know, you know who Miss Rachel is no Miss Rachel is this YouTube fast uh, woman that does sings children's songs. So oh. my youngest granddaughter, my only granddaughter, Sienna, she loves it. And mm. and I got her turned on to it. So now I'm a bad guy because I got her turned on to it. And she loves it, you know? Too much screen time for and Sienna. So I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in trouble all the time because she's watching too much screen time. And, and, and 
and Miss Rachel, who's got like 3.5 million followers on Twitter. I mean, I'm mean on Instagram. It's amazing. Wow. Not Instagram, on YouTube. YouTube. It's amazing. So we're not having any discussion there. But I, I get the sense that Carter is, it's not Carter's personality that is the problem. It's the history that you got to make sure you understand what he's been involved with. And of course, the, the seriousness of the case that happened at Georgia, losing those two young people on the, on the, on the football staff and the players. So I think that's more of it. Look, defensive linemen, so we get this clear, defensive linemen are not easy to handle at no matter where you get them. I mean, there's a little bit of an edge, and if they don't have the edge, they're probably not very good. Mm -hmm. They got that little bit of a trigger, you know, how you know Tony Soprano could seem like he's a really nice guy, but all of a sudden he could turn in Flip. a second, you know? Yeah. Like, it's a little bit of that. I mean, yeah. they, 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 those guys, most great defensive linemen probably belong over at the Mob Museum. <laughs> they should have their picture. They should probably have a section of the Mob Museum with great defensive linemen. <laughs> the D-line room. <laughs> yeah, because they got a little bit of a twitch to them. Not that it's bad. You need it. Like, if they don't yeah. have it, they're not great. Like, this is not like I'm not saying they're going to go out and do anything wrong. I'm just saying that's kind of – and the coach who coaches D-line is, is almost like a lion tamer. He's got to be able to control them and get them to play at a high level. And he, and he, the guy at San Francisco, to me, is the best guy in the league. I mean, he gets them to play at a high, high level, and he's got a lot of different personalities. Yeah, it's it's not a nice guy position. No, if you, I, I say this to fans all the time. If you've ever watched the game – if you ever watched an NFL game from the sidelines and watched the violence in the offensive and defensive line, you would understand what I'm talking about. TV doesn't give it an accurate portrayal. No, no. The TV, it makes it all seem like, oh, it's look, they're all graceful yeah. and all this stuff. It's like, it's, it's, it's brutality. The TV makes it look on. like a guy in his basement who does analytics understands the game. That's how TV makes it, you know. We're not going to Des Moines. Uh, let's go to Indy, though, because Jim Ursay, you mentioned him in the Colts, how there's this kind of need for the quarterback and that desperation. Well, Ursay tweeted, because I love that Ursay is active on social media there, because it's always he just, entertaining. I think stuff. he's just fucking with us. <laughs> he has to be, because this is what he tweeted. He said, for the 2023 draft, we have many options. With the number four pick, we could stay put and take a quarterback or trade up and take a quarterback or trade down and maybe take a quarterback or not. With a smile emoji. All options on the table, but we like their position and are very excited. Fire up with a football emoji. I don't think I don't think they have to trade up. Like I think, mm. look, here's what one thing we do know for sure. Between Stroud, Levis, and uh and Richardson, they all have problems. And let's throw Hooker in there too, right? They all there's something wrong with all they're not perfect. And of mm -hmm. course the great Bill Walsh once said the search for the perfect player never ends, right? So they're they all have something wrong with them, right? And it's what it's what do you want to take on? Like what problem do you think you can overcome is really going to mm -hmm. be the one. And so if you're the Colts, why would you trade to three when you could take you, maybe you'll take Levis at four? You know Levis's problems. You're dealing with them. It really becomes a situation of what problem do I want to manage the most, and what's the least chance of of it of it messing up? Richardson's problems you know, in terms of his production, his accuracy, his throwing the ball, timing, all those things. Levis, can he handle pressure, his poise, you know, his decision-making. And then Stroud, you know, the offense. There are all these different elements that you've got to kind of manage. Nobody is plug-and-play. He's going to be a player. Don't worry about him. It does feel like Levis, though, teams are – 
not really glossing over his issues, but they're at least more so highlighting some of the strengths of the toughness and the ability having worked with an NFL pro system. I, I think he's kind of, I think everybody's now saying, go back and watch junior tape on Levis because uh -huh. he was better there. You know, I, I think there's a little bit of that. He's probably easier to manage than the other ones. I mean, although Stroud's tape is good, there's no denying yeah. that. I think this think it's, ta it's Stroud. Can you get comfortable with everything that you need to get comfortable mm. with? I have a couple more draft questions for you on the other side. It's the GM Shuffle. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, you talked about dusting off the junior tape, the 2021 yeah. tape for Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. And that, I believe, is why there was a lot of interest and excitement for Levis heading into his senior year. Didn't quite live up, got banged up. People really soured on him, especially on college football Twitter. I mean, I watched the game Saturday. Twitter's like, oh, what's all the hype about this kid, Will yeah. Levis? Why well, didn't make plays in the clutch? I mean, like he had yeah. a chance. Uh, yeah, I think it was Mississippi. He had a chance to win that game on the stretch. So. Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of what happened to him a little bit more than anything. But look, I, I think this about college football players, this drives me crazy. We're in the we're in the I have watched one thousand games on this player element, right? Okay. That we're about on next Thursday we'll listen to every I watched eight hundred games on this guy. I watched seven thousand tapes on this guy. College football is not about how much tape you watch. It's about the right tape you watch. Mm. Okay, it's really about the right tape. If you if you want to know a really good player, watch Ohio State play Georgia. If you want to know about a really good player, watch Kentucky play Alabama. Watch Kentucky play. There's certain games that you have to watch. It's you watching. No disrespect to Vanderbilt or any other program, but there's certain games you don't care about watching. They're they're false evidence, right? Mm -hmm. So there's in scouting you can collect false evidence meaning that you're collecting data against players that are never going to play in the NFL. Yeah. And so it that hinders you. And so when you go to a school, you know, where you can find the tape, the right tape to watch, right? So, you know, you want to watch Anderson against Wright. You want to watch the right tape because that's the key to football because the level of comp is what makes college football hard to evaluate. It's not how many games you watch. It's the right games to watch. You talked about that a lot last year when we were talking about the draft, the lead-up of saying, hey, if you want to get a good comparison with Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson, you have to go back and watch the Walker reps in practice going up against those same Georgia tackles compared to Hutchinson in the college football playoff game and going against Georgia. No doubt. And so you do that. And so like that's where you really have to spend most of your time. Now, I think you have to watch the games over and over and over again. You, you know, you probably should watch Georgia Alabama two years ago. You a hundred times. There's so many good players on yeah. that tape. You know that you have to watch that closely, really closely. And when I say watch, you've got to study that tape. Watching tape is what most people do. Studying tape is what professionals do. Understanding where the ball's going, where the protection was, how we handled this. You know, what could he have done in this protection? How could he have routed the protection? All these things that you have to know. Remember, when you're scouting, you got to know plays and players. Mm -hmm. if, if you don't still, if you're only watching the player, it can be very misleading. Well, the fascinating part with both Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, and you can throw Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker in this as well, is that they all played in the same conference. So there was a lot of 
turnover and a lot of the yeah. crossover, the competition that they faced. And that brings us to Levis versus Richardson because it almost feels like Richardson's stock is kind of cooling. Well, because like, like, we're not, we're now we're further away from the combine where he really lit it up in Indianapolis. Well, I mean, at some time, at some point, you have to say to yourself about Richardson. It, remember what we said about Richardson during the season that he needs another year. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the year, everybody felt like Richardson should, including me, who liked Richardson, felt like he should go back to school. Right? Everybody felt that way. Now we're talking about picking him in the top three because he runs fast. We all knew he ran fast to Florida before this. Just we all knew he had a great arm before the combine. Like, there's nothing he did at the combine that's new. There's nothing he did at the combine that's new. We knew he was a great athlete. We knew he could run fast. He could leap tall buildings in a single. We knew he was Superman. But we also knew he needs another year, that he's a year away from being a year away. He really is. And the young man decided to come out. Understandable. But rewarding him for coming out with a top five pick, to me, never has made any sense to me. As much as I like him, would I like to work with him? Sure. Do I want to give up a huge asset to work with him? No. I mean, Terrell Pryor. I mean, Terrell Pryor was a great athlete, too, coming out. you know. And when you watched him, there was a lot of things you didn't like about him playing quarterback. He ended up playing receiver in the league at a certain point. But to me, and I'm not comparing Richardson to Pryor, but there are some similarities there. They're both big-time athletes. Oh, my God. You know, there, there's no doubt. Yeah, I, so, like, I, again, I ask, like, why are we changing our tune when there's been no games played? At some point, the voice of reason has to take over. You know, it's one thing that I've learned, and back when, like, ten years ago, when I was trying to become a little draft Nick, and I used to watch some of these guys in on your YouTube. Basement? I, was, I was in the basement. Yeah. I, was, I was in the basement watching those cutups. <laughs> turn, turn on the the Monty Ball tape or the, the Matt Barkley tape. Shout out to that 2013 I lo- draft. I love that. I grew up. I grew up in a town that had no basements. I grew up in an island. I didn't even know what a basement was. <laughs> but the cool part of that is, like, I would listen to a lot of content, and your buddy Brian Broadus, who used to do a lot of work with the Dallas Cowboys media yeah. staff, and they would have a draft show, and he would always bring up the point as. You don't want to count things twice in the draft process. Like you mentioned with Anthony Richardson saying that, hey, we all knew he was fast. So like, why would you be upgrading him up your power, your, your board? Because he ran fast. We all knew he had a strong arm. Why would we then upgrade him just because he showed off a strong arm right. at the combine? Like those are things that don't count it twice. It's more so like you want to look for the things that you didn't see on tape and then go back and investigate. Like you mentioned with Bryce Young, how people saw him live and it's like, oh, wow. His arm is stronger than I thought it was. Right. I, I think you see his arm strength when you watch him more on tape than you do on television, uh, but it's there. And and then when you watch him live work out how the ball jumps off his hand, mm-hmm. it's there. So, you know, to me, that's why when this trade happened, I thought for sure it was young. You know, everybody started talking about Frank Wright, me included. But to me, the more the tape you watch – it's clearly young. Like, I don't think it can be any debate. I don't think it was close. I don't think it is close. And now we're learning it's not because Houston's talking about not taking him at two. Well, we are close to the draft here. Like we mentioned, 10 days away. And the NFL last week released the list of invitees, the draft prospects who will be making the trip to Kansas City to walk across the stage, hug Roger Goodell, get their jersey, and go on with their NFL career. And the list is as follows. 17 players in this draft class. Jordan Addison, the wide receiver at USC. Will Anderson, Brian Branch out of Alabama. Jalen Carter. Zay Flowers out of Boston College. His name always keeps popping up here. Christian Gonzalez, the corner from Oregon. Paris Johnson. Will Levis. Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. 
Richardson, Bijan Robinson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, CJ Stroud, Keon White out of Georgia Tech, Tyree Wilson, Devin Weatherspoon, and Bryce Young. Those are the 17 names. And the one I think a lot of people were surprised was not on this list was TCU wide receiver Quinton Johnston. Probably the only true X wide receiver that we have in this class, at least right. at the top of the board here. Is that sort of a clue or an indication that he might not go as high as people thought maybe a month ago? I, I think probably the value on the mocks and the value of what the, the league does a good job of talking to teams about this, right? And mm-hmm. and so the teams are, they don't give out the information, but you know they, they probably have canvassed. And it's interesting, they come up with a number of 17. Yeah. How many first-round grades do, have I been saying most teams have? They're going to have between 15 and 20, right? Yep. That's it. And so the number 17. I think what they want to make sure they do, especially that we only have one round and it's so important. They don't want to see some kids sitting in a room, mm-hmm. you know, like poor Lamar was doing, waiting for somebody to call his name. So I think it's a smart thing. And, like, they just do enough of a canvas to kind of get a consensus from the teams to say, okay, now, does that mean Johnson's going not going in the first round? No, it doesn't. He could, but they don't want to put him in that awkward position. Mm-hmm. So I do think that that's probably the right thing to do. I really do. I think that the league is being set. Because the last thing you want is the kid to have this euphoric day and then be disappointed where he's got to go yeah. back to his hotel. I mean, that happened to Geno Smith, remember? Yeah. You know, and, and everybody kind of knew Geno wasn't going to go in the first round. Right, yeah. everybody kind of knew that, and and it was it's not good for the kid. This is a great day for you're rewarding yourself. Whether you go in the first, you go in the second, you go in the third, or you go in the seventh, this is a reward for you. This is a great day. Remember, this is what we lose sight of all the time. It does not matter where we pick them; it matters how they play. Mm-hmm. That's the most important <clears throat> thing of the draft, and so celebrate where you go. Yeah, because that, it, your career is going to go based on how you play, not where you get picked. We get so caught up in where you get picked that the draft becomes all about the day of. You know, it's funny. Freezing cold takes. Who's got a new book out? Yeah, you uh, know that guy. I, who always, I, you I, know, I, he's I, always busting on people. It's, it's going to be a fun one to read. Well, I mean, I think it's a great book because look, if you can't admit you made mistakes, how can you be any good? No. A scout has never told you you made a mistake. A shitty scout. I can tell you that right now. So anyway, uh, he, he had Zimmerman on, Paul, the great Paul Zimmerman wrote the, the football, Thinking Man Guide to Football. Uh, and he was, ta- he was and, and actually he was doing a draft show for the Worldwide Leader. And, and Zimmerman was really being critical of Marino. Mm-hmm. Now, if, I wrote about this in my new book. There's a lot of stuff with Marino that was really inaccurate. It started with a Pittsburgh newspaper, a suburban Pittsburgh newspaper that accused Marino of things. And that's why he slid down the board. Mm-hmm. But he was actually being very uh, opinionated about the skill set of Marino, which we don't get on draft day. We just get all this, we love everybody. You know, and I think there's a little bit of that. Like, I think the kids need to know this is a great day, but here's what they're going to have to do to overcome to become a pro. There's nothing wrong with that. And also, the, the kids, they're not watching the broadcast. Like, like they're there. And, oh, they're taping the broadcast. Well, they, oh, they are taping even the broadcast. They're taping it to, to go back and watch. They're going to watch that. They're, they're watching that as much as I've watched Miss Rachel sing Wheels on the Bus. Trust me. I Get can that tell motivation because Kuiper yeah. said that you weren't as fast yeah, as he thought exactly. you were. Yeah, exactly. I mean, seriously, they're watching that a ton. <laughs> but like you said, it is a celebratory day. And I think from a fan's perspective, I think most fans would appreciate to get the real of what these analysts think of these players, like, like so that every you player, gotta have the reason you have. You, if you're an analyst, you have an opinion. You can't have all great opinions, or else you're Will Rogers. Like you got to be able to say, I like this guy, I don't like that guy. You know, where Twitter has become, you're not allowed to say anything bad about anybody. You know, like 
I, I said something about C.J. Stroud. Are you, no, I'm not saying he's a bad kid. I'm just saying he's different. That's all. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, the, he's, his personality in, in, in relationships, you got to make sure you understand what you're dealing with. This is today's world. Not everybody's the same. And so if you are an analyst for the draft, you can't like everybody. It's impossible. It really is impossible. I mean, I would love for every player to be great because, I mean, the NFL would be great, but it's just not the reality. Well, she used to say all the time, we're only <laughs> looking for 12 guys, fellas. All the scouts would say, you know, this is a shitty draft. And Bill would say, we only need 12 players, guys. Like, yeah. at some point, like, you know, it's not – there's no bad drafts. Yep. But there are there are problems with some – but once you know – to me, if you know this guy can't do this and this, but he's great at that, then just do that. Yeah, I hate the term bad draft. It's like they, there are good players in every draft. You just got to find them. You got to find them. You got to find them and, and make sure that they fit what you can do there. But uh, the, the NFL draft coming up in 10 days. We'll talk some offensive linemen coming up a little bit later on the podcast. But on the other side, Michael, let's celebrate here. A new day in our nation's capital with the Washington Commanders. A new ownership on the horizon there with the Commanders. And we'll discuss it next here on the GM Shuffle. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, we do have a new day in our nation's capital with yeah. the Washington Commanders, Daniel Snyder, and 76ers and New Jersey Devils owner Josh Harris have reached an agreement to sell the Commanders to the Harris Group for just over six billion dollars i think this is a day that a lot of commanders fans have been looking forward to uh here at the network at visa that we work at gil alexander big washington fan i know he was very excited about this sure. news and it's got to be exciting news for a, a pretty big fan base that's been down in the dumps over yeah. the past couple decades and, and it's going to be interesting how this works out right i mean josh harris owns the 76ers he mm-hmm. sits courtside at those games he's going to bring his team into link how's that going to work like, I wonder how that's going to work. I mean, you know, yes, he's got Sixer fans on his side, but that football, that town's a football town. 100%. You know, and so that's going to be interesting. And I think Josh Harris doesn't understand. I wrote about this for the Daily Coach today, uh, Monday. Uh, you're just not going to be able to hang the sign. Everybody's excited because there's under new management sign being posted in D.C. But there's way bigger issues in this organization than just, you know, a new owner coming in and it's going to be okay. It's a challenge for a leader when he comes in to take over this toxic environment. And I don't think Josh Harris will really understand the depths of the problem within that building until he gets in that building and spends 100 days really understanding them. Because everybody's going to run to him and say, here's what's wrong. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to run to him and say, here's what's wrong. And when Steve Jobs came back to Apple the second time, he understood focus was dealing what was most important problem that he had to deal with because everybody had a solution to what went wrong with Apple and everybody's going to have a solution with what happened under Dan Snyder. And it's so toxic there that he's going to have to do more than just hang the under new management sign. Let's say that Josh Harris got your phone number and says, let me call up Michael Lombardi ring, ring, ring. He says, Hey, what's up, Michael Lombardi? Uh, what do you think I should do in the line one in the evaluation process? Where do I begin What's the first order of business? Well, we got to rebrand the team. And I would start with anything that had anything to do with Snyder, we're going to get rid of. So it, the commanders, that's up for grabs, right? I, don't, I would change everything. I would, I would cleanse this building completely. You got to go run that through. I would Goodell treat it like an expi- I would almost treat it like an expansion team. We've won two playoff games since 1999. So there's not a lot of history that we're going to put under the carpet. 
we're not going to we're going to acknowledge the great Sean Taylor, any great player that came through here. We're going to acknowledge, but his ownership we got to get rid of. We got to we got to really cleanse this building, and we got to let people know it's a new start. And we've got to be really careful. Can people be adaptive to change, or are they so? Are they so bruised and battered by the abuse that went on in that building that they can't recover? I think there's going to have to be some, a lot of time bringing experts in to talk to people about how they have to change and how they really don't realize how much they have to change. That's going to be a really hard thing to do. Mm. And so I think that's the first step I would do. But we got to rebrand this team. It's, we can't just hang the sign up and say under new management. We got to change the uniforms, change the colors. We got to change the name. We got to do everything we can to disassociate ourselves with this toxic behavior that has gone on since '99 and all the losing that has happened. To win people back, we have to really make that effort. Yeah, and that is a really proud fan base. And Great fan base. I, I, they've lo- probably lost a generation of fans under Daniel Snyder, but I remember as a kid, like that, that was a very, very popular team proud fan base that's just just been kind of in a rut and they're just not going to everybody's not going to trust him either he's a new owner that's true you know so he just can't assume he's he's gonna have to earn their trust and he's got to earn their trust by saying this guy was bad i bought the team from a bad person and because what happened in here is never going to happen again it's 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 almost like there's going to be a little bit of a honeymoon period, but that honeymoon doesn't last forever. No, people want to see evidence. They, they, yeah, they want to see the results of it. What about on the football side of things? Would, I think he should sit back and just watch. I think, yeah. to me, he should sit back and watch. He knows he spent a lot of money. He's a quarterback away from winning. I think he should ask really good questions. I think he should go to Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew and say, okay, why aren't we signing Lamar Jackson? I think that's the first question he's got to ask. Tell me why. Give me all the data why. This guy's won 45 games. You know, he would put people in the seats. We would create a better mm-hmm. culture. We would be one of the top teams in the league. And if they say today, well, we can't pay a quarterback all that money, you can't win a title, what did they just do in Philadelphia? I just left there. Yeah. Uh, the, so that excuse is out the window. So let's figure this out. Yeah. You now know the framework of a deal that you could get a quarterback. They're $255 million, once again, for Jalen Hurts. The Commanders have been the most dysfunctional franchise over the past decade plus with Daniel Snyder, but a team that we didn't really know was making a running for that was the Arizona Cardinals, especially with with everything that's been coming out about the Cardinals over the last six weeks or so. And they have two marquee players for their teams over the last handful of years here who might want out. And the first one, Buda Baker, they're all pro safety, scrubbed. He He did the move that you do. You scrub the team from all your social media stuff. And then you formally then request the trade here. What do you think is behind this for Buda Baker? And could he be traded this offseason? Well, I mean, look, he's probably feels like he's underpaid. The market keeps shifting. And so he, you know, when you do your contract early, the market shifts. Like the market, like Mike, Mike Evans down at Tampa is underpaid at receiver market based mm-hmm. on, you know, what do we have? 10, 12 guys make it over 20 million a year in the, in the receiver market. So he's underpaid. So that it keeps shifting. And so he probably wants to get back. Plus, I, I got to tell you, it's much like we talked about with the Giants. When you pay a guy like Kyler Murray, which you paid him, the disease of me in the building starts to permeate, right? Mm. You know, you start to say, wait a minute, this, why is he getting it when he's not even a hard worker and, you know, all these things? What, where's my money? That, 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 every contract has a ripple effect. The Eagles paid Hurts. Now, Hertz is one of the hardest workers on the team. He's yep. the best leader on the team. Nobody's going to complain about that. Nobody questions. Nobody questions that. But when you give it to somebody, now I'm not saying Daniel Jones isn't a hard worker. I'm saying Daniel Jones isn't the best player. Yeah. Right? When you don't get when you give that to somebody else, you've got issues. I, I think that's it. You know, Hopkins is now saying he doesn't want more money. He was. The market's not there for Hopkins. 
It's not there. They can't trade him. Nobody wants to take on whatever problems he brings with him, because he does. I don't know what they are, but there, there, there are some that nobody wants to do it. And I told you, we talked about this with Beckham. I mean, Jackson wanted him or, you know, wanted both him and Beckham in that deal. And they, they tried to trade for Cortland Sutton, thought they had a deal with Cortland Sutton, Baltimore I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Denver backed out at the last minute. That's when they gave Beckham the money. Denver didn't like the compensation? Or... I don't know what it was about it. I don't know what it was uh, about why they backed out of the deal. But they've been trying to move Sutton yeah. since the beginning, right? He's got a huge cap number. Maybe Sean felt like, look, this is a high cap number, but based on all these other receivers out there, you know, maybe it is worthwhile. And maybe the compensation wasn't good enough. I mean, both of those wide receivers in Denver have been kind of been shopped. Like you can Jerry have both Judy of them. as Judy well. and him, you know, you can. Because, see, what Walsh used to say this all the time. Nobody understands this, especially in the mock world. Bill Walsh used to say, receiver was the last position you should fix on your team. Walsh believed that you had to have 11 really good players on defense because you can't hide a defensive player. Mm -hmm. So he was going to put resources in defensive players because you can't hide 11 of them, okay? And then offense, you you, you can hide some guys. So, yes, we traded up for Jerry Rice, but that was when we had a really good team. There was everything else was fixed. So ultimately, you know, Sean's probably from the same mindset. I've got to fix these problems I'll get to, I'll get receivers that can play. No, I, I totally agree with that. Building it from inside out is, is is how I think the really good football teams are built. I mean, it's sort of what the Philadelphia Eagles did to kind of bring it back to them. They built up that big offensive line, that defensive line, and then last year on draft night, it's like, okay, now let's go get AJ yeah. Brown and fits who they do. And he fits, yeah. So uh, it's it's going to be just an interesting offseason for these teams that have to 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 navigate around these wide receiver contracts and navigate just like the draft and, and acquiring players here. DeAndre Hopkins, he's out there. Beckham now is signed. Do you believe that Hopkins will be released? Is that where we're headed with this thing? I don't think so. Or does I, he, it can be fixed and he can go back to Arizona. I mean, I don't know how that's going to work out. I think Arizona's a toxic place too. I mean, they, they've got to do – I mean, we saw the Terry McDonough. Terry worked for us in Cleveland. Uh-huh. We saw what he had to say about the organization. Then the COO came out and said the same thing, kind of backed up what Terry said. It's which a, wasn't good. It's not a good look. You know, and you know, and and we know that there's a lot of things that have gone on in that building that have not been very good. And it, and Michael Bidwell has to kind of change and take a step back or else he's becoming like his father was back in the 70s, you know? And mm-hmm. the other thing I think it's really interesting is the Redskins get the, excuse me, the Washington football team is still it's hard for me to it's, change. It's the Commanders. Commanders getting six and a half billion. First of all, the league's going to have to find a way to get private equity firms into the buying teams. There's not a lot of human beings on the planet that have six billion in cash laying around. Okay. So they're going to have to get private equities. And I think they're going to talk about that in the May meetings about how private equity could come into the NFL. That's a B. These other owners are looking at that guy getting six billion for his franchise. There may be more sales coming if this number is going to be at six billion, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, would you rather take your six billion and walk away? If you're Michael Bidwell, you've basically put no money into the team because you've inherited it. It's a lot of coin. It's a lot of coin. So I, I think the $6 billion puts may put some for – and what's Seattle going to go for? Yeah, I, I was reading about that this morning. What's Seattle going to go for? I mean, there could be some of that. I mean, could Tampa – I mean, we know the Glazer family selling over in Europe. They sold their, they're trying to sell their side. Would they sell Tampa? 
mean, you know, we know that Miami, they have some things in place if something happens to Stephen Ross. So this $6 billion is a lot. And I think the owners have to figure out a way to get people, private equity in here because there's just not a lot of people that have $6 billion in the cat. In in Josh Harris doesn't have $6 billion. As wealthy as he is. No, I, I, it was Steve Ballmer is like one of the few that's actually had the, the cash to. to How pay good for is something. he last night when he was <laughs> oh, reacting to the thing? <laughs> I love it. He's just—he's what I would be like if I was an owner. I so know. I mean, that's why I Except love. Except you'd have a Tua jersey on sitting in the stands. He's got a—you know—he's got an Oxford shirt yeah. on. Maybe I'll call Stephen Rossi if he wants to sell to me. Um, last veteran I want to get to here before we talk a little bit of offensive line in this draft. Quinnen Williams—he is also going to skip. The start of the yeah, offseason I mean, workout look, program. He's so. going to get paid. He's watched the market get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and my phone's firing up I know, here man. today. You getting draft nuggets there? Where's Carter Maybe. going? Uh, anyway, <laughs> the uh, the uh, I, I think to me, you know, it's just a question of he's going to get paid. He's too good of a player. Uh-huh. These are easy contracts to do. Quentin, I think ultimately he's probably telling his is they're probably telling his let's get we have to get Rogers done before we get you done. Could be a while. Could be a while, but they'll get it done. Yeah, I, I, that's not a hard deal. You're not letting Quentin Williams go. He's no. too good of a player. And the defensive tackle market's also been set. I mean, too. Payne went out there. We saw we saw uh, Hargrave, Hargrave get a new deal. Simmons. So yeah, it's it's easy. Simmons. Yeah. So DT's getting paid, man. It's a valuable position. Uh, and the guys who blocked them, the offensive linemen who yeah. are coming out. I know in we this wanted track. to talk at length about it, but we we were running out of time here today. Yeah. You know, they, everybody has Skronsky as the first one thing. I, I I'm getting the sense from talking to people. That you know, Paris Johnson. I know he's at minus one fifteen. Broderick Jones at plus seven hundred is a good deal. But I, I think to me, I would go Paris Johnson over Skronsky. If no one on, a, on mm. is that how you say it, Skronsky? Yeah, Skronsky. Skronsky. Yeah. I would get him on the over one. There, there's some good. Ta- they're not elite tackles. They're not Anthony Munoz, but they're good. Paris Johnson. Does he go top ten? I don't know. I, I mean, for me, I wouldn't pick. A, I don't think he would be a top ten player. I think this is a more of an eleven to twenty. Tackle draft. Broderick Jones right now, his prop, the Georgia offensive tackle, 13 and a half, the under, minus 185. So the expectation is that he'll go in those first 13 selections. I think there. he's probably right. I would take him. I mean, he's really good. I think he has a chance to become better. I think when you're watching these tackles play, you want someone who's going to grow and be, improve. I think Broderick Jones is going to really become a better player. I think Harrison would be a really better player. His body's not great. He's a little mm. bit stiff. His, his workout wasn't as good as – Broderick Jones' workout was outstanding. Which one do you think has the highest ceiling of these Jones, tackles? Broderick Jones. You didn't even hesitate. Didn't even hesitate. You love Broderick Jones. And to put a bow on this podcast here, we'll tie it back to what we talked about at the top of it. We're getting some quotes now from the Philadelphia Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni, on Jalen Hurts. So this is from January. This is not what he talked about recently. But he said, quote, it's like having Michael Jordan out there. He's your leader. He's your guy. Then Jeffrey Lurie last month, I believe this must have been at the owner's meeting. He said, quote, the hardest part for sure is the scarcity of really good quarterbacks, and we got one, and we got a very special player. Got a special kid. I think that's. I think what makes Hurts so good, and this is what, let's play it back to this draft, is Hurts' work ethic, his dedication, and his devotion to becoming great. He's a kid that believes he has to work hard. He is a kid who sees himself as an underachiever, so he works hard. You pay that kind of guy. Yeah. And he doesn't even have to fake it either. I mean, he's, no, it's been, sincere. he's, he's been humble, to like like we said, benched in the national title and, game. And look, go back it's, and watch that game and how he reacted 
how positively he reacted mm -hmm. to Tua throwing the ball as you were standing up and cheering as Tua was making all those plays. <laughs> that That's too, when you uh, fell in love. <laughs> he threw it to Devontae Smith. That's when you fell in love. I knew that. There was love at first. That I mean, just be, right down the sideline. There should line. be a movie about that game. In stride. How Femi fell in love with Tua. <laughs> How Tua saved the day and won a national title for Crimson Tide. Uh, but, you know, it was a beautiful pass to Devontae Smith, who now catches passes from Jalen Hurts as we all go full circle with the Alabama players. That does it for this week's edition of the GM Shuffle. Not this week's edition. We'll be we back got on Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, we'll be, we will back, be back Thursday. Thursday. But for this edition of the podcast, uh, thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, as always, on the ones and twos. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Beeson. Thank you to you guys out there. The interactions have been thank great. Thank you, Giant fans. We loved it. Seriously, bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> they're they're going to be blowing you up. Though. We I, appreciate them for listening to the show. Look, I, I think you know? it's great. Look, it, love it, the if you're not going to have an opinion, then why are you talking? 100%. We love the interaction there. So uh, never change Big Blue. Uh, we like it, even though you might not like us at times. But we know that you love us deep down always. Uh, thank you to you, Michael. I will talk to you on Thursday. We'll be that much closer a week away from the NFL draft. Thanks, buddy. <laughs>